Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, glad you're here. My name's David. I'm on staff. And uh, if we haven't met before, just happy to have you. And uh, super excited that you're here. We are in week two of a brand new series that we're trekking through now over the next couple months, and it's called Jesus Unfiltered. And uh, just through some time of discernment and prayer, we as a staff and also as a teaching team really felt like God was saying, go through the gospel of Mark and just track through the life of Jesus. Uh, and so that's why we went with unfiltered. Um, this is just an unfiltered approach. We're going to go verse by verse through our the Bible. We're going to um, not skip around, but every verse will be uh, at least referenced throughout the, the point of the series. So we have great opportunities for you to kind of follow along and track along. One of those Sean mentioned is going to be on our app, uh, but also our website. You can stay up to date in social media and whatnot. So uh, with that said, uh, I want to ask you just a question right off the top. Uh, how many of you actually have like a fishing buddy? Those of you that like to fish, how many of you have a fishing buddy? Not a lot. Okay, I'm going to tell you about my fishing buddy, okay? So within the first couple months of starting here at Frontline, uh, I met a guy named Dan, and Dan said, hey, I live on a lake. If you ever want to go fishing, just let me know. And I went, that's an awesome invitation. So he said, great, awesome, let's set it up. So it was a, a weeknight, and he's like, tell you what, I'll even buy pizza, so you stop and pick it up. And so I go, perfect, what's the name under? And he just responds two words. He says, Big Daddy. And I go, I don't know Dan that well, and I know he's not going to do that to me, because that would be a jerk move to do to somebody, particularly early in a relationship. So I show up, and I say, uh, you know, where's this, where's the pizza place? He said, it's a place called Fatso's. I'm like, this is, this is not awesome. So I show up at Fatso's Pizza. It's a real thing. Who knew? And I walk in. I'm like, hey, I need a pickup for David. And they, they look down and they're like, okay, David, um, I'm so sorry. We don't have a, a pickup order for David. Maybe there's some sort of mistake. And I go, is there a pickup for Big Daddy? And they go, you're Big Daddy. We've been talking for like an hour wondering who Big Daddy was, and it's you. I'm like, awesome. Apparently, I'm Big Daddy, and apparently Dan's going swimming tonight. So that's, that's how that night worked out. But I showed up. Here's the thing. I've fished with Dan a number of times. We jump on his pontoon boat, and we kind of go around the lake, and he's got great spots that he loves, like special, like some of the honey holes. Like this is where a lot of the perch are going to be at. This is where some of the bluegill are at, and, and here's the type of lures that we use in different poles. I mean, Dan knows so much about fishing, and so part of the fun is just getting out there and being with Dan, uh, but the other part of the fun is actually like learning. And just going, wow, like you, you fish for different fish with different types of bait in different places at different times. I mean, there's so much to fishing, which just kind of makes it fun because you go, this is a real skill. Like you have to learn how to do this. So I was talking to Corey this week, and maybe you're like him, but I asked him this question. I said, what's the worst part about fishing? What would you say? What's the worst part about fishing? Okay, not catch anything. That's the right answer. Corey said everything. I went, then you're doing it wrong. Come on. Not catching is the not fun part of fishing. Otherwise, you're boating. That's what I call it. You're just sitting in a chair. That's not fun. The best part of fishing is catching fish. Amen? amen. That's the amen I wanted today. So check this out. This is, this is, anybody know what show this is? This is Deadliest Catch. Do you realize how many different fishing shows there are on TV that you can watch? And the ones that are the best, that are the most exhilarating, that just draw you in, are the shows where they catch a ton. So look at this. This is like one ship in one run that they made. Look at this. Look at how many crabs they caught. I mean, this is fishing. Am I right? Like you go out, this is work. So I, I love this because this gets us into the passage where we're going today because Jesus talks about fishing. And I love love the metaphor of fishing, but I also love the story that we get to talk through today because Jesus starts it out on the lake. So on a day where snow and weather has been horrible, let's go to the lake. You with me? 
We're going to the lake. Come on. So Jesus, here we go. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I love this. This is where we're starting off. The, the job of a fisherman is hard. Okay? Talk about a commission-based pay. You catch, you eat. No catch, you're hungry. This is fishing. Okay, so we're in, this is 2,000 years ago. This is in Israel. I just showed you, these are actual pictures of the Sea of Galilee. And so when Jesus would show up, I mean, look at this, this is the nice blue and rocky. Here's like the beachfront that Jesus would have walked onto as he saw Simon and Andrew casting nets as they were doing their job, what they were, what they were made to do, which was fish. So here they are, they're on their turf, they're doing their thing, and Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I got something for you. Check this out. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. Okay. That's, I mean, imagine, oftentimes I think many of us read through this and we just go, yeah, I knew that was coming. I saw it coming. Uh, imagine reading that for the first time or better yet, hearing that without a context. Hey, come follow me. I'll teach you how to fish for people. With what bait? <laughs> Pizza. There we go. Thank you for that. Moving on. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Why? Why? It wasn't pizza. Why would they leave? If you, if you understand this time period, um, what, it would, what would happen is like one of the highest honors was um, to come and ask a rabbi, can I please follow you? Can I please be your disciple? Can I please learn from you? So as you study the Torah and study scriptures, um, you just understand it more. You can teach it. So being a rabbi was a high honor, but being a follower of a rabbi was a high honor. So when Jesus actually came up to the disciples out on the lake, here they are fishing in the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus says, you, come follow me, he flipped it. Usually it's the other way around. Usually you go, Jesus, can, can, could I follow you? Jesus flipped it. He said, you, come follow me. And usually the ones, uh, someone came up to me between services and told me this, and, he, and he's right. He said, usually it's like the best of the best get to follow the best. That wasn't Jesus' MO. Jesus went to places and people that often other people overlooked, and Jesus made an invitation like to Simon and Andrew, and he said, hey, come follow me. I'll teach you how to do what you do, but differently, for a different purpose, for a different reason. So check this out. It keeps going. It says, uh, thank you, Terry. I have to tell you about poieo. So poieo is this Greek word, and when Jesus says, come follow me, I will teach you how to fish for people, or I will make you fish for people, fishers of men. Here's what it says. Poieo is the Greek word that doesn't mean I'm going to force or coerce. It means I'm going to create. I'm going to construct, cause, prepare. I like to boil it down in one word and say transform. I'm going to transform you, not into fishers of fish, but into fishers of people for my purposes. So Jesus invites Simon and Andrew, but then he keeps going here, and he invites two more brothers. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So we got four fishermen, four men who know what they're doing, who've done it for a long time, 
who have worked with family members, brothers, uncles, cousins, fathers, sons. Here's the guys who are just used to fishing. This is the family trade. They're used to doing it. They're good at doing it. They understand it. And Jesus invites them to learn how to do something that's different. What was Jesus' invitation? I want to make sure we catch this because we could miss it. What was Jesus' invitation to Simon and Andrew and James and John? It was come, learn how to fish. I want to invite you to learn how to fish for people my way. So what Jesus is about to unpack over these next couple verses and over, over this passage that we're going to focus on today, what I want you to keep in the back of your mind is this. How does Jesus teach how to fish for people? Can you keep that in the back of your mind? What we study right now is how does Jesus teach his followers both then and now how to fish for people. So let's jump in. This is Mark uh, chapter one, verse 21. It says this, they went to Capernaum. This is right after. And when, they, when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And this next sentence is my favorite. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Burn. Nothing? Come on. This is awesome. Here, Mark is writing this, understanding like, hey, I know what it's like when you go to synagogue and you sit down and someone teaches and you go, I don't know, it didn't really move me. He didn't really sound like he believed what he was saying. It was kind of wishy-washy. People, Mark is, is exclaiming, people, people who heard Jesus went, what the? He opens up the book and he preaches it and stuff happens. You go, wow, we're not used to that. So don't miss that. When Jesus comes in and Jesus gets a group of people, when Jesus teaches, he doesn't teach great, you know, ethereal theories. He doesn't teach, here's, you know, if you want to do this or here's a blah, blah, blah. He goes, you want to know how it is? I'll tell you how it is right here. You read right here. This is what it says. So go do that. And then people see something happen. That's different. There's a big difference teaching with authority versus just teaching to teach. Right, I've heard, it, I've heard one speaker that says there's a difference between um, teaching the Bible to people and teaching people the Bible. There's a big difference. Which one is the center? If I had to guess, I would say a lot of teachers in Scripture loved to teach the Bible to people. When Jesus came in, he went, no, 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 I, I love people. And I want to teach my people what this says. And when he taught, he taught with authority. Oh, it's awesome. There's a scene that happens right in there. And just so you know, just for this series too, we're not going to be able to cover every verse because that's going to take forever. So read this. If I can encourage you, read the text ahead of time. You can check it on the app and see what's coming up. You can look at our website. You can look at social media, but we're going to skip around a little bit. So here's what happens. After Jesus does this, it says there was an impure spirit, a man who had an impure spirit in the synagogue. And he came and Jesus cast out the spirit and he said, gone, get out of him. And what Jesus Jesus demonstrated is not that, or he demonstrated not just that he has authority to preach and authority to teach, but now he demonstrates, hey, I have authority over the spiritual. I have authority over the demonic. 
I have authority over darkness and evil. I have authority over that. So that's important. Keep that in mind. Jesus exercises authority to teach, but then also authority over the spiritual. So here's what happens. They go from there and they head out to Simon and Andrew's house and they walk in and Simon's mom has a fever. So Jesus comes in and he puts his hand on his mom and he says, hey, he rebuked the fever and it says the fever left her. Jesus just did two things. I know I'm going fast, but Jesus did two things. He exercised that he has the ability over the spiritual and then he also, by casting out the fever, exercised that Jesus had the authority over what? The physical. So Jesus has authority over spiritual and Jesus has authority over physical. And then I'm gonna prove it to you because here's what it says next. Mark 1, verse 32. That evening after sunset, that evening, that evening after the fever was rebuked out of Simon's mother-in-law, it says, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. How interesting is that? I mean, can you imagine like Peter going, okay, I got to tweet this. This is unbelievable. Jesus, I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he teaches with authority. He has power over the spiritual and now he's doing physical stuff. Come check it out. And the whole town shows up and Jesus heals and heals and heals and heals various diseases. And now he also drove out many demons. Do you see both at play here? Jesus exercises his authority over the physical and also the spiritual. This is important. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This is confusing, but here's what I want to point out. And this is something I think a lot of us know just as people, but, but sometimes we need to say it too to remember, oh yeah, people often celebrate, and especially as we read in scripture, a lot of people that are involved in scripture celebrate the work that God does and they miss celebrating the God who does the work. That is, the whole town showed up and they were excited about healings and they were excited about demons being cast out and they were excited about this, these words that were coming to life because Jesus would speak them with authority. There's always a temptation to celebrate the work at the expense of the one who's doing the work. So it goes to this next verse, which is really funny. Um, this is the most confusing. Very early in the morning, well, it was still dark. So imagine, people showed up that night, Jesus healed a bunch, cast out demons, and then very early, he didn't sleep much. Well, it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a, what kind of place? He went off by himself, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. If that was happening here or today or in our world or our society or our context, wouldn't we be excited about that? Wouldn't you be excited if there was just lines out the door of people trying to get in and trying to hear, well, who is this Jesus and what did he teach? Wouldn't we be excited? The disciples were excited. They're like, we're winning. This is what it's all about. So Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. Is that weird to you? Isn't it funny that the crowd who wants to celebrate this big thing that people are flocking, Jesus says, no, nope, we're gonna go somewhere else. Why? It's in the text. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. 
So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus makes it very clear very early on that he is fishing. And he's going to catch some fish here. Then he's going to go to the next place and he's going to catch some fish there. And then he's going to go to the next place and he's going to catch some fish there. And he's going to go to the next place. And what we see is Jesus, remember, what is he doing with the disciples? He is teaching them how to fish. So that someday, Jesus can send out fishermen who will go fish for people the exact same way that Jesus does. Jesus makes it so clear, I've come to spread one message, and the message, Brian talked about it last week, did a great job. The message is this, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is coming near. Over and over and over and over, repent, turn from your ways, turn from darkness, turn from evil, turn from the things, whatever it is that distracts you and takes you away from your relationship with God, turn, repent, Move back in the direction of God and then believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So repent, turn from your ways, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and then this, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is coming near. Why is that important? This is not going to be a newsflash to you, not going to be a surprise. We live in a very dark world. Do we not? The amount of sin, evil, Lust, violence, war, disease, just deep-seated brokenness, pure evil. We don't have to look hard, do we? Here's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. Turn from your ways. Turn from you being the center of your life. Turn from everything that removes God as number one. Turn from that. Put God as number one. Believe that I am who I say I am. Jesus, I am who I say I am the son of God who's on a mission to come here because the kingdom of God is near and what he is demonstrating through teaching with authority, through suppressing demons, through healing people, and then through retreating is this, that the world and its darkness, however powerful it may seem, and the cancer and the brokenness and the divorce and the pain and the abuse, whatever it is, how deep-seated and powerful and strong that is, Jesus says, I'm above that. Doesn't matter what you think or how you believe or what you've experienced, Jesus has authority over that. Jesus has power over that. Jesus says, through my word, through who I am, all of that submits to me. That when I speak, I can undo cancer. That when I speak, I can undo addiction. That when I speak, I can undo war that I can bring wholeness and restoration and peace and love where everyone else rules them out. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. And again, don't miss this. What is his mission? He's teaching his disciples how to fish. So why is this important? Here's why it's important. Jesus taught his disciples 2,000 years ago what it looks like to fish. And fishing hasn't changed. I think there's two groups of people in this room. I think there's a group that 
says, I'm a Jesus follower and I'm on fire for him and I wanna do what he's called me to do. And then there's another group that goes, I'm not really sure or I don't believe that. I wanna speak to that group first, the group that says, I'm not sure who Jesus is. I'm not sure if I wanna follow him. Here's what I wanna make clear to you today. Jesus didn't come to, to put pressure on you. Jesus didn't come to force you to do anything. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. What Jesus came to do is to liberate people. That's what he came He said, I want to come to rescue you. I want to come to set you free. I come with one mission. That is to alleviate the pain and the darkness and the sin that is plaguing our world. That Jesus says, that's my one aim. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you say, I I don't want to give him that. I'm not convinced yet. I don't want to. That is fine. This is a church that's not going to pressure you to do that either. But what I want you to leave or what I want you to leave with is an understanding that now you know what Jesus came to do. He came to rescue people. There's the other group of people that's in this room that says, I have given my life to Jesus and I have made him Lord of my life and I have chosen to follow him. What does that mean for us? Here's what it means for us. We've been called on a mission to do the same thing that Jesus instructed these first four disciples to do and it's to go fishing. It's to take the words that Jesus spoke and to speak them with authority, to speak them like we believe them, like we'd bet everything on it. That when we get an opportunity to point people to the words of Jesus, that's what we do. And we say, oh, that's uncomfortable. That's okay. I bet it was uncomfortable for the first four disciples too. They went, what did we sign up for? Here's what Jesus has called us to do. It starts with scripture, right? Jesus taught with authority. What we're called to do is to spend time and learn this book so that when situations come up or people ask questions or there's darkness or there's brokenness that we can say, you know, I know this doesn't clear everything up, but here's what Jesus says is is he's over all of that. He just says it right there. I just read it. So it starts with teaching with authority. Here's the, the, the next thing that, that Jesus has called us to do as fishermen, as followers of him, is this, to pray for healing for people. That when you see brokenness, when you see cancer, when you see diseases, when you see blindness, when, when you see pain, that you are called as a disciple and empowered as a disciple of Jesus to put your hand on someone and to pray for healing, and you can expect that it'll happen. Does it happen every time? No. Can it? Absolutely. I have a friend of mine. He's in our small group. I love this guy. And uh, he's been having some weird pain over the last couple months. And I texted him after he had shared it in our group like a day later. And I went, hey, has anybody prayed for that for you yet? And here's his answer. He said, no, most people aren't comfortable doing that. I went, well, shoot, I'll be in your area on Wednesday. How about I just pop by? I went, I don't care how weird it looks. I'll come put my hand on you and people can drive, but we, we met in a parking lot, we met in the back of a parking lot. It was awesome, right? It was his shoulder, so he's sitting there like doing this. So I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. We're praying for healing. Guess what? Major improvement. Major. To, to who gets the glory? Here's, here's what I want you to celebrate. The same God that can bring healing lives inside of you. That if you say, I I am a follower of Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives here, that you can lay a hand on someone and pray for healing, and God can work through that. 
So Jesus teaches us as we fish, look for opportunities to do that. Here's another one, um, casting out demons. This scares a lot of us. I mean, if we're, and I think part of it, it's justifiable. You go, there's some things that are just evil. They're just dark. They're just scary. It's like, man, it feels like something's in our house. Do you know you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority given to you by Jesus to walk into a space, to walk into a bedroom, to walk into a workspace, to walk into a vehicle, to walk wherever, and to pray authoritatively and to say, in Jesus' name, I command anything not from God the Father to leave, and it must obey. Do you know that you have that? So we've been called to be fishers of people with one aim, and the same aim is, as Jesus was, is to rescue people, to people who feel like there's, it's just a dark house. We gotta move out of our house. We gotta sell it. We gotta get rid of it. You can say, I would love to come over and pray for your house. And you just say, in Jesus' name, I command anything to leave. And they have to obey it. Jesus taught his disciples, this is how my kingdom is being ushered in. And you have that. And then the fourth part is this. I don't want you to miss this because it's so, so, so important that when, when everything was exciting and everybody was buzzing and people were getting all thrilled because Jesus is healing and Jesus is casting out demons and all of that, people are, are flocking towards him. Jesus says, I'm gonna retreat. I'm gonna go spend time with me and God, God the Father. Jesus made it such a point that that was a priority for him. That regardless of what the world called him to or pressured him to or asked of him, he said, I have a priority and my priority is God the Father. And when I spend time with him, what comes out of that time is the outflow and is the fruit of the ministry that God called him to. If it's a priority for Jesus, it better be a priority for us. The intimacy. Jesus can retreat and just him and God. The opposite would be Jesus comes with his own mission to do whatever he wants. Even Jesus. I know the Trinity and it's hard to understand. So Jesus is fully God and then God the Father is fully God. But Jesus did nothing without the direction of the Father we are at risk if we don't prioritize our relationship with God of acting our entire lives in a way that is different and outside of what God desires for us. So the relationship with God is at the center. It's at the heart. We don't want to celebrate the other stuff if it's on our own account. We want to celebrate God and who God is and then be sent on a mission to do what? To go fishing for people. Um, we do a men's retreat now every year. And uh, we started, we did our first one in February. And this is just a quick plug, okay? But for men in this room um, who immediately say, not interested, don't wanna go, not my thing, um, I'm, I'm with you. That was me. And I wanted to create a retreat last year that was different than all of those. I've been on some bad retreats. And I said, I, I wanna create something for men that can call them and teach them and lead them to be the men that God has called them to be so that they can go back into real world and make a difference for the kingdom. So that's what we did. We had 80 men that showed up in February who said, I, I, half of them, I'm gonna be straight with you. Half of them said, my wife made me sign up. 
So there you go. So a lot of you women in here who got countless emails from me, uh, they were all on purpose, okay? Because I know that. I know that. But the reason we're doing another men's retreat is because of a guy named Jeff. I didn't know Jeff super well. Jeff came on the men's retreat. Um, he's around my age. And Jeff had a history of deep-seated brokenness and abuse and um, addictive sin. And it had a grip on him. And it was the type that just makes you feel all alone in the world and powerless and you don't know what's going on. And so you just look and you shoot for the, the best thing that you can see in front of you. And so he showed up and what he experienced on this retreat is who Jesus is. Because when we teach, we teach with authority. Like what we say is, hey, Jesus is over everything. And you have the power. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the power to overcome that. And so we preach with, with authority. We teach with authority. And there, were, there was a small group leader that he was in who was phenomenal. He was able to lead him and explain and unpack scripture for him. The whole purpose of the retreat was to challenge. I wrote this down just so I could articulate it. The whole purpose of it was to challenge men to come alive in the kingdom of God and teach and lead others to do the same. And Jeff, that was the goal. So Jeff gave his life to the Lord, was baptized here on a service following the retreat. And I tell you what, Jeff's life has never been the same. I've tracked with him now for the last like eight, nine months. He's on all sorts of different leadership teams. He started, he came back and he joined like three different small groups. Now he's leading one of them. He serves all over the place. He's an amazing leader and watching the transformation that God has done right at the beginning when Jesus says, come follow me. Remember, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll transform you. Jesus is in the business of transformation. And so it's because of Jeff and because of guys just like Jeff that we're gonna do this over and over and over and over and over again. And women, I don't want you to feel left out. We have a women's retreat in April for the exact same reason. So here's what we're gonna do just to close out this, um, this sermon today is I have a prayer team uh, or we have a prayer team here at Frontline that I have asked to come up and be present. And so I'm gonna invite them to come forward now. They're gonna be up here in stage and in some of the aisles. And here's my challenge to you. Um, for many of you, you're dealing with big, scary, important stuff. Others of you aren't dealing with the big stuff. It's the little stuff that's getting you. For some of you, it's cancer or divorce or a broken relationship with kids. It's a drug addiction. It's a porn addiction. It's, it's any type of sin or brokenness or darkness or evil that's just penetrating and it just feels heavy. We are going to be a church that says we have people who, are, who will pray for you and we'll pray with you with the same authority that Jesus prayed and taught his disciples to pray. So I know each and every person that's standing up here, I love them. Love them. These are prayer warriors. These are people who pray and God listens. So here, here's my, my plea to you. Whether it's a big issue, whether it's a little issue, whether it's cancer, or a job, or financial, or kids, or 
purpose in life, whatever it is, here's my challenge to you. Would you take advantage during this next song? Would you come up and just in one sentence, let one of these people know you can trust them. Say, here's what I need prayer for. And they're going to pray for you. If it's something demonic or dark or spiritual in your life, they will pray against that for you. If it's healing of some sort that you need, they will pray that for you. Whatever it be, this is a group of people and there's so many more out there that will pray for you. Please don't miss the opportunity to meet God in an extraordinary way today. Let's close together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you and the person of Jesus that you sent for us. Father, Jesus did what we couldn't do and he lived the life that you commanded us to live and he did it in our place. And he made a sacrifice for us that transcended everything so that we could be in relationship with you, in right relationship with you. Father, you've gifted us with your Holy Spirit. With that comes power and authority over darkness and evil and addiction and pain and guilt and divorce, all of it, Father. And so I just pray right now that your church, that the people you love, that the people that you sent us as a church to reach would be caught by you, would be loved by you, would be healed by you, that their prayers would be answered by you. So Father, in these next couple minutes, we just pray that you would show up, that you would speak through the, the words of the song, that you would speak through the words of the people praying, and that you would do something powerful in this moment that we have together. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said together.